0: this technical stuff going here. (laughs) The print is not as big as I usually have it, so it's like, what's happening? It's not cooperating. All right. Lord Jesus, we just thank you so much for um, the time of worship this morning with you. Lord, I just, I thank you that... um, You've taught us to place a priority on waiting on you, on listening to your voice, hearing what you're saying, letting your spirit move, and releasing what your spirit is moving um, through our voices, through our words. And um, what a blessing! Um, how it is just so edifying to us, Lord Jesus. So we just we thank you that. Um, Glorifying you, praising you, is is changing us from the inside out. Lord, I just pray that you would just guide my words in Jesus' name, Amen. All right, one second. I try to adjust this. When you get to the point that I'm at, you really appreciate some nice, large print. <laughs> and so that's why I started switching to this computer thing. It was so nice. So, um, so last time we were together, I, um, I began to dive into the subject of the, of the power of the tongue. And we spent a good amount of time in the Old Testament with the Proverbs and I, I'm going to review a few of those today. But what I ended with um, was really the New Testament's uh, summation uh, uh, and really just a super clear breakdown of a lot of those Old Testament proverb passages. And, and that was with James chapter 3. And um, James is half-brother of Jesus. And it's such a practical book. James is definitely one of my favorite books. And I just feel like maybe i've said this before you know you definitely have to you know you, you might you might be a scholar if you just really love paul and who doesn't love paul as he's written most of the new testament but but if you're a super just like break it down on a super easy level that i can't miss james is your guy he's really he really keeps it practical and so i really love this book it's it's such a great book so practical so I read this passage from James at the very end, and then I said this is where we're going to pick up, so that's exactly what we're going to do right now. Um, If you want to turn with your Bibles with me, or you can just follow along, I'm going to be going through James 3, 1 through 12. James 3, 1 through 12. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. <laughs> we can make large horse we, we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and curses come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. so um you know when when i when i 'm preparing to teach, I just think about like what a good opportunity is for me because like you get to hear like a small portion of like a summarize of what the Lord has been um, teaching me and talking and reviewing and i 'm so i 'm just so grateful because it 's like. We're going to talk about how James right away is addressing teachers, you know, and as somebody that is teaching here at LightHop, one of the biggest things that I want to have a focus in on for myself is that I don't teach and then become disqualified myself because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not practicing this stuff, right? I mean, because this is his call to all of us as believers, as we say, I believe in this stuff, you know, to endeavor through our, through our process of growing in holiness to let the Lord test us out in it first. And so this is, throughout my preparation, I'm just like, Lord, let me see this. Where is this happening? Can you give me, you know, show me, like, the deeper meaning of this? Because it, it, it applies so much. Like, James is using examples, and we're going to go through some of these, these points, but, you know, our own life stories, our own instances are the ones that, like, really bring, bring the word alive. And so... um. I just say that to say that for you to know that um, I I want the Lord, uh, my desire is that the Lord is is highlighting and teaching me this area that I, like you, like am still working my way through (laughs) and have not mastered it. So one of the most redeeming things I think also about this topic is that we can you know, when we think about believers, one of the things we talk about in pursuing holiness is the way that we live, right? What are we doing um, in the way of what the Bible is teaching us? And James talks a lot about the practical stuff in the book of James. How do you live? What does this look like following Christ? What is this transformation supposed to, uh, what's the end game here, you know? And but he comes into James 3, and he's, he's really hitting on the fact that one of the big indicators of the, um, the outflow, the overflow of what God is doing or not doing is going to be reflected in this area. He is um, it's, it's recognizing the danger of how the tongue can um, reflect what's going on in the heart. Recognizing how it can tear down, and I think even more importantly, uh, you know, is, is what it can be instead, which is a, a buildup. And so um, I want to be able to, and I'm sure you do, want to be able to more quickly eliminate the tearing down part. Eliminate the part that is, that is from the flesh and redirecting that tongue so that can God can use our tongues to bring life so James and the rest of scripture is, is inviting us to examine ourselves, work out our salvation, and grow in spiritual maturity, which we know is something we really highly value here. Um, the word is, it exposes the darkness in us. It, it's touching our consciences. It's the power of the Holy Spirit to convict us of our sin. It's, it's like this important reason why we keep going back to the word because the word washes us as we read it we know our experiences it's like oh that i that hurt a little bit i felt like i read that i i'm reminded of god's standard the holy spirit put some fire on that and it's like oh i need i need work in that area right and you know and then that then we get to move into that so i'm going to so let's start off with let's say, i'm going to break this down because i feel like It's really important one to break down. I kind of spoke in generalities last time, but I I really actually want to go through this this particular um, part of James um, kind of line by line. So if you look there in verse 1, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. It's kind of easy to take the role of teacher lightly. You know, maybe in James' day, like today, there's a desire um, for a person to be the one that's giving instruction, you know, the one who's bringing the message. Or, But James is reminding us that there is a higher level of accountability. You know, if you ever have, like, careful what jail's for, right? Make sure you, like, you know, know what it is that you're signing up for. Luke 12:48 says, Jesus warned to whom much is given, much is going to be required. And um, Jesus is spelling it out pretty clearly. I'm jumping to Luke 12, 4, 8, but 48. But he who did not know yet committed things deserved of stripes shall be beaten with few. For everyone whom much is given him, from him, much will be required. And to him, much has been committed. Of him, they will ask more. So we've heard this phrase right before to much is given, much is required. The responsibility is something to take very seriously. And he's basically saying, hey, you know, you want to teach? Okay, well, guess what? You're going to be, um, you're going to receive a stricter judgment. Um, I think the thing that we want to recognize As believers, though, and I think especially in this modern era, like in James's time, like there'd be somebody maybe that was like teaching, and then they'd have a crowd of people all around them, you know, and then, but the thing is, is that in today's day and age, like we all have so many opportunities to be teachers. We all know as parents, we are in a constant instruction phase. Grandparents are in this role. Um, If you have a social media account, you're doing that, you know, like, I mean, I might be... I might be a K-PAP teaching a class, but you um, are, God has gifted you with social media to be able to really use that venue. Or maybe you are a person of influence with um, your peer group. Or maybe you are, you know, somebody that teens look up to. Uh, you know, there's there's all of these different ways. Maybe you are really that person in your workplace that people say, hey, this is, this is the one that I know is, um, you know, they're a godly person that is teaching me through different ways that they operate and the way that they just do business. So we all, I, I don't want us to turn into thinking about this is only somebody that has, let's say, a microphone. This is, this is totally all of us. And so with that, the responsibility is that teachers, they receive a stricter judgment. God's going to judge us on the last day if you look, verse two says, "Receive a stricter judgment." So there will be degrees of strictness. You can kind of—that's implied there, right? So James is um, including himself here with these teachers that he's describing, and basically saying, like, not every believer is held to the same standard because, again, to whom more is given, more is required. It is connected to our influence over other people. Does that make sense? I mean, this is there is a responsibility as we as we grow in our influence and what we speak into people's lives. And the Bible, if you think about kind of the opposite of that, the Bible is really strict on um, false teachers. So it makes sense that it's like here, if you're a teacher, you've got this greater level of responsibility um, and you're going to be accountable to it and then also likewise false teachers. Right. So... Um, but in verse 2 it says, for we all stumble in many things. We all stumble, stumble teachers included, right? So we share this common weakness. and But our, our church culture definitely puts a high value on Bible teachers. And... You know it's easy to think that somebody is more spiritual than they actually are, like somebody that can deliver, well, we all know this example. If you've seen people online, right? You know, over the years, we've seen enough people that are like high profile people that, you know, powerful delivery, and they're the teacher, and then you find out like years later that they've been committing all kinds of secret sin. And so um, there is this tendency again, to think just to make assumptions. And we talk about this a lot, that like fruit. Fruit really matters, and James is really big on fruit, and he's big on um, being um, consistent, as we're going to get into. He, um, I, I love how James keeps it real. He's like, we all stumble in many things. It's we. He's talking about himself, too. This um, He's not talking about taking a fatal fall, but he's really talking about things that are struggling or maybe hindering spiritual progress is what he's talking about in terms of stumbling in many ways. He is reminding uh, his audience and he's reminding himself, recognizing the spiritual poverty. We all stumble in many ways, like, right? Isn't that, that's, that's Matthew 5, spiritual poverty. Um, and then the response to that is not to accept it. Well, you know, we all fall, we all fall short, but rather... It's it's to mourn it, not to accept it. So we got to run to Jesus for help. And then that progress, the idea is James is getting at is as you're progressing towards Him, there's there's supposed to be less stumbling. Not just acknowledging that you're stumbling, but you're actually supposed to stumble less. So back to the verse it says for we all stumble in many things if anyone does not stumble in word he is a perfect man able also to bridle his whole body. So James is establishing like we said that we all stumble but here he's going to actually get into the common way that people struggle stumble. For, further in this chapter cuz we're only going to go to verse 12 today but further in this chapter you can see he he's talking about you know the teachers and the tongue and then he gets into like other ways of of this where the stumbling happens but he's just basically saying hey you wanted, um, while we're talking about stumbling let me talk to you about a real common stumbling block for most people um it's a problem I mean if it was a problem in James's day is it a real problem today? I mean, it's, it's a big, the tongue is a big problem. So not, um, not just the culture within, that, that's outside of us, because I think we naturally think of it, about that, but it's actually the culture even within the church. People say things that they shouldn't say. People type things on their social media account that they shouldn't type. Um, James says a good way to measure someone's character, because he's not trying to measure the character of the people outside of the church, Right but he's measuring those that are in it, and how are they doing in that area. And he's basically saying, if you're not struggling in this area, you, guess what, congratulations, you're a perfect man. You're a perfect woman. You, you got it. You got this, if you're not struggling in, in this way. But obviously we are, and it's a good way to measure spiritual maturity, again, not just for Bible teachers, but for anyone in the body of Christ. Um, as we talked about some examples earlier, those that are teaching God's word have got to be more careful about what they say. And I'm going to kind of get to that as we get to verse 10, But which talks about blessings and curses should not come from the same mouth. Our words should be congruent, right? There should be consistency in what our words are saying and the life that we're living Matthew 12, 34 says, For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. So words are the revelation of our inner character. So if someone's not to stumble in their words, if they're not stumbling in their words, this is obviously a demonstration of spiritual maturity. But we know, as James just talks about, like nobody is, has arrived there, or they would be a perfect man. Um, It's not only the measure of spiritual maturity, but there are other things that measure spiritual maturity. James is, at this point, he's just talking about the tongue. It's not saying that it's the only thing, but he is saying that it is definitely a very important one, and it's especially relevant to people that are teachers in all these examples that I just gave you, because when we're using words, a lot of words are being, I mean, this is, communication is massively increased all over the globe, and so there is influence over people. And so there is more opportunity for somebody, for me to sin in the way that I use my tongue and with the words that I say. And um, yeah, it requires some a lot of sobriety. We might stumble in the word through criticism or gossip, through slander, uh, maybe through two-facedness, through anger, through flattery, through insincere words, through manipulation, there are things that are meant to maybe insincere words that are meant to gain favor before other people. We can stumble um, not about other people but about ourselves. So there's these things about other people, but then there's also just the category of ourselves that we can stumble we can you know we can boast we can exaggerate we could maybe give selective reporting of a situation kind of a like making ourselves a hero in a situation or maybe making ourselves a victim in a situation and it's just it's really easy for us to sin by the way that things that we say i i had a situation here we were we were doing some family camping in um, there was a conversation that was being had about, you know, a certain situation, and, I, like, I could feel like I just, I had this response right away, you know, and I made a comment, you know, and I thought I was right, and I, the Holy Spirit really convicted me about it. Afterwards, it was like, you don't know all the information. And, you know, that was just, that was definitely a, a not quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to open your mouth situation on my part, you know. It was just like, wah, you know. <laughs> and I, I had to, and I was, I was grateful the Holy Spirit convicted me, and I had to go back and say, you know, I I, I, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have. I mean, and it, 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 the thing is, is that I think for us, it's like we don't, it's usually subtle things. Like this, we do, I said this last time, like as a body, we do so good. And sometimes it's kind of like, I, even as I'm preparing, am like, Lord, why why do you want me to talk about this? Like I feel like we do really well as a body in this area. And we do super good at like edifying one another and exhorting one another. But it it just he's taking us to higher level of sanctification. I think the other thing too is that the, the increase in intensity, like these are the situations that really where you know you you need it. Um some of us are, you know, about ready to have graduation parties or have had them, and we all know what that that world is like, right? <laughs> and, you know, I know, I mean, like I had a situation where just the tenseness of stuff that is needs to get done, it isn't happening, and you know you can only be in control of your thing, and other, Lonnie probably especially knows what this feels like, poor guy, um, but dealing with a bunch of people that he's trying to prod along, and... Um, but, you know, it's like these intense situations. We had a couple of them where they start off as conversations. And before you know it, you know, they're conversations with a purpose that can be heard, you know, outside the house from inside the house. And it's the intensity. It's the pressure. It's the all the other emotions that we're carrying around that factoring. In the, and that's really where, like, that pressure and that testing comes. And so I feel like the Lord is like, you know, gird yourself up in advance, right? Work on it ahead of time, because um, there's some things I definitely need to repent of, for sure. Let's go to verse 3. Indeed, we put bits in the horses' mouths, uh, bits in horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a sm- very small rudder, wherever the pilot desires, even so, the tongue is a little member in both great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles, and the tongue is a fiery world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among members that it defiles the whole body and sets the, it, on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell man that 's intense, <laughs> right. So prior to, prior to verse 3, you know, James is talking about power and responsibility of the tongue. And now he kind of gives some visual aids for us to see. Like verse 4, a small rudder can turn the ship. Um, so if you don't know what a rudder is, like, it's, I, I had some pictures of it, and then I decided, all right, I think most of us know what a rudder is. Do you all know what a rudder is? I think we kind of know. <laughs> it's a small part in the back of a ship. So it's the part that sits in the water. It's like a blade, um, and, you know. It's used to turn the ship one way or the other. And um, you know, it's like I—it's I, I, a really good analogy because if you think about—I was trying to think about the proportions of of a rudder on a ship. And at first, I thought, well, maybe a rudder is like the size of my fist compared to my whole body, you know, in proportion. But it really could be closer to the tongue because it is really small. Compared, if you know, see these pictures, just this tiny rudder in this massive, huge vessel. So we're getting the picture kind of along like with that small bit. If you've seen a bit, you know it's about this wide that goes into the horse's mouth. And um, that bit is being used um, to hold and can, can, um, direct an animal that is much larger and much more powerful. So when we have control over our tongue, it's an indication that we have control over ourselves. Whoever has, whoever can control, and I, I will say that's kind of partially true, and I think I touched on this last week, though. Like, it's an indication, but it isn't the whole thing, because we're going to talk about this in a minute. Like, some people, um, you know, just are, are maybe less of a talker to begin with, and they're just more inclined to not say anything and they're really good at holding on and not getting anything out but that doesn't necessarily mean that their tongue is bridled either because it is connected to the thoughts isn't it so verse 2 but it can bridle the whole uh, if you go back to this we're talking about the whole um, the bridle thing I mean the uh, the the, um, The bit in the mouth. And it's interesting because if you go back to verse two, it's talking about the ability to bridle the whole body, because that's what a bit and a bridle going over the mouth, that's what's really actually controlling the direction of the horse. It's like I said, it's small and compared to the strength and power of the horse, just like the rudder is small compared to the ship. So if it's not controlled, The ship is out of control. If it's not controlled, the horse is out of control. My tongue is small compared to the whole body. Um, If it's not controlled, it's out of control. So something small can have a huge influence for good or for evil. And I can't deal with an unruly horse by keeping it in the barn, can I? (laughs) And I can't deal with a hard-to-steer ship by tying it to the dock. That kind of defeats the purpose because, right, the horse has actually got some good things to do and the ship has got some good things to do. Um, but it's really connected to where the control is coming from, right? So what is the issue related to the horse and the bed and the rudder and the ship? It's the connection, right? It's like, who's holding the reins? So it's if we look at the tongue, the tongue, I mean... Atomically, there's a distance between my tongue and my heart. But in terms of the way the Bible looks at it, they are directly connected, right? What's going on here is, is an overflow of what's happening here nearby, right? What's going on in the heart. So I found the enemy, and it's, it's me. <laughs> After reading Proverbs 21, 23, um, here's New Living Translation. Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut, and you'll stay out of trouble um <laughs> you might be you can't use proverbs for complete theology but the temptation might be like okay well i'm i'm going to take a vow of silence now then i'm not going to get myself into trouble but that's not going to solve the problem <laughs> is it so i can't take a vow of silence because out of the same mouth come curses but also what Blessings. There's so much blessing. You don't want to be like, okay, I'm not. I can't say anything anymore, right? No, keeping your mouth closed is not going to keep you out of trouble all the time. It's it may be really withhold a lot of blessing from a lot of people. Um, you know, I think about just um, like recently on the uh, great example in chat is that um, Angie's going through all this stuff and um, you know challenges and whatnot. And like Jen got on there and she used her rudder, her tongue, to really encourage Angie by the Spirit. It was what she was given by the Spirit of Prophecy. And so she released that over Angie, and it was just like, just a healing salve. It it was just um, for Angie, right? I mean, and we've all had this experience, and it's just beautiful. And you're like, of course I don't want to not talk, because there's a lot of good that can come out of this thing, <laughs> you know? That's that's what we're going for. That's why we're talking about it. This isn't meant to be a conversation about, like, here's how your tongue causes trouble. I mean, that's part of the awareness of it. But the pers- part of it is just for us to repurpose it, to redirect it, to take that rudder where it might be going in this direction and say, whoa, wait a minute, the wrong direction, er, turn around, go back the other way, right? So, um, we just, where the answer is to let the Holy Spirit fill us, lead us, and continue to let the word sift us because we all stumble, as James says, that's plural, all, we all are doing it. Um, and, um, you know, when you think about a Romans 7, I was thinking about this passage we're all familiar with, you know. The bad I don't want to do, or the evil I don't want to do, that I do. And the good I do want to do, that I don't do. Who will rescue me from this body of sin? I was just thinking that. This is like the tongue, right? If you think about it, it's like my paraphrased version of it. You know, the good I want to say, I don't say. But the bad I don't want to say, that I keep saying. (laughs) Who will rescue me from this body of evil? Only Jesus Christ. (laughs) Only what we do here in the prayer room, the conversation I get to come here and pray the sermon on the mount um, which I love that topic because it just it keeps my, me in check right you know with with Allison I'm here and we're going through because it's all about it's these things it's it's the, the what I say it's how I live it's it's you know bringing continuity between what's happening what God wants to do in my heart and how it is flowing out of my life and so the prayer room is this we have a better opportunity, I think, because just by nature of what we do here, it's meant to bring us into alignment with God. It's meant to bring us in alignment to what's possible. We're looking at him, right? That's what the word does. The word is comparing us to like his standard. James is pointing out that the spirit of God working through the new man is directing the reins or the rudder, which is our tongue. All right, we'll continue on for the last part of verse five. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. <clears throat> and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The fire of the tongue is used to burn many, right? It's used to burn many. The pain caused by thoughtless words spoken against us can hurt for a lifetime. And James talked about the ships and the horses controlled by small objects. Now here he's switching to a huge forest destroyed by a tiny spark. I was, um, I was doing a little bit of research on this, and I thought it was interesting. There was a... Um, <clears throat> I knew about the California fires because of the one in Paradise in 2018 was some of my extended family. They lived there, and their house burnt down, and they just got out of there, and then there was another fire in California. It was like a ranch fire, 2019, but just thousands and thousands and thousands of acres destroyed. And just to make this illustration, because this is the whole point of how powerful the tongue is, like, there was the, they, they, they found out that the source of this fire was a rancher that had found an underground wasp nest. And so there was a little hole where the wasps go in and out. You all know what that's like. So we took a um, steel spike, Um, with a hammer, and took it to, he wanted to block the hole so that they couldn't get in and out. So he put the steel spike in and then hammered it down. Tiny, tiny spark that came off of that, right? The kind of spark that, like, you catch the spark and then you just, like, oh, from the campfire, right? You just kind of snuff it out or something like that. But it didn't, it caught onto some dry grass. And he just went about his business And then all of a sudden he's smelling smoke, you know, however long later he turns around and it just is an inferno. I mean, these these examples are being used for a reason. By the Holy Spirit, James is talking about how much um, destruction can happen by a tiny spark. We get the point. The tongue can really destroy. Um, It's what others say to us and... What we say to others What others say to us and what they say To others, it can last a long time For good or for evil Casual You know, casual sarcastic or critical Remark, I was reading something else which is Really funny too, it just talks about how Like sarcasm sometimes or somebody will Like say um, Just something joking or they might say Oh I didn't, I didn't mean to say that Maybe it's related to the Freudian slip thing Or whatever but it's like it said, uh, the author said, a more accurate thing would be to say, oh, I'm sorry I, I, for what I meant to say. I mean, because it wasn't, they, they didn't mean to say it. They actually were thinking it. They just didn't mean to say it out loud, but it was, really, <laughs> it was really what they were thinking. It was like an accident. Like, how'd that come out? That was an accident. No, that was just, that accidentally you forgot to, you know, close the thing before it came out, right? So, <laughs> anyways. Uh, but likewise, Here's the good news. Um, As we talked about last time, a well-timed encouragement, a prophetic word can really uplift someone for years to come. Years to come. You know, I love just how, like, um, you know, I was talking to another friend and just going through some discouraging things, but it's like the Lord gave them prophetic words about certain situations, and so it just gave them a little bit of encouragement to just hang in there, you know, in the middle of it because because it's coming from encouragement, coming from heaven through somebody's mouth that will be that conduit. So under the right conditions, um, the tongue can be life-giving. And yes, um, there is power of life in the tongue. And we get to choose. And that's what we're going for, right? That's what I'm going for. That's why I want to teach about this, because I want to see these things happen in my life. Proverbs 12, 25, anxiety in the heart of man weighs him down. In other words, what does that mean? Anxiety in the heart weighs him down? Causes him depression. (laughs) But a good word makes him glad. Good word really lifts especially if that good word is like from the Holy Spirit out of somebody else's mouth, right? The Holy Spirit loves, God uses people to love other people um, with the Holy Spirit flowing through them. You guys know that. Proverbs 16.24, pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. Oh, yeah, I'm wanting some of that. How about you? (laughs) Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who live it will eat its fruit. Oh, Lord Jesus, would you help me? Would you help us to be a people that speak life? By the way, you know, just... The thing is, is that this isn't meaning like, okay, well, as something hard. Something hard doesn't mean like saying something. It's like, okay, uh, death, it's death if, if it's something that is said that is hard. No, that's not necessarily the case. There are times like there are things that are in the word of God. There are standards that are in the word of God that God does want us to talk about. Like we live in a culture that says like, you know, hey, this is my reality, and it's, if it's okay for me, then, you know, what's your problem? It, there, there is that balance between what does the word of God say about a thing? Because there's things that we do, there's, there's standards, there's lines that, like, as, as leaders, as teachers, like, we, we should talk about, as shepherds of a church, we have a responsibility to be firm about and loving about and led by the Holy Spirit in it. But it's spirit and truth, right? It's truth and led by the spirit. And if it's led by the spirit, it's with the heart of God. And it's love, right? I mean, it can be death. There's like when you talk about life and death and the power of tongue, I would say that there would be examples of it's death if you didn't say something, but it was in God's word and God, and it's something he cares about. That is, you know, that's that whole... Um, Ezekiel 33 thing, like, if you see the thing and then you don't provide the warning, you know, the blood is on you. The teachers have a higher level of accountability. There's another dimension of it, right? All right, let's go to verse, um, verses 7-8, continuing James 3. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. So, basically, animals are easier to tame than the tongue. Hey, I can tell you that's for sure my dog. He is easier to tame than my tongue, except for barking at delivery truck drivers. Uh, It's a restless evil among the parts of the body. It's like, it can't be contained. I was just thinking about this as like when I was a child, like we'd have situations. my sister was really smart, you know, things would go on, you know, and she would she somehow knew how to keep her mouth shut, but not me. Oh no, I had to say that last thing that I knew was going to get my butt in trouble, but I just had to say it. <laughs> it just came out like a restless evil among the parts of my body, right? <laughs> Some of you can relate. <laughs> um, and it's like, you knew. Right, like I know you. You almost feel like the Holy Spirit saying, "Don't do it." <laughs> but, uh, right, and um, it's a restless evil among the parts of the body. It can't be tamed. But there's hope. The Holy Spirit can. What it unleashes is deadly poison. Um, I, I ran across this. I thought it was so funny. I had to share. John Wesley. This is something from John Wesley. It says, a woman once came to John Wesley and said she knew what her talent was. And she said, I think my talent from God is to speak my mind. (laughs) And this is what John Wesley said back to her. I don't think God would mind if you buried that talent. (laughs) I was like, oh gosh, that was killing me. You know, this horse, um, this horse image prompted me to think about Matthew 5, 5, um, that I've taught about in the past. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. One of the usages of the original Greek word, which I'm not going to try to say, <laughs> but for that word translated meek in the original language. Was also gentle, which you know some translations say that. Blessed are the gentle, for they will inherit the earth. But it, there's there's different uses, you know, as we can imagine in our language. There this would have different uses and applications. But um, one of those that in their culture it was being used to describe a horse that was broken in, not a wild horse, but a horse that was broken in, right? You know, I think about, like, there's a difference between Roscoe now when he was first a puppy. Like, I try to get, I have a <clears throat> one of those, I don't know if they call them choke collars, or, but it's basically if they yank on you, then they kind of get poked a little bit. So it has a similar function as does um, a, a bit and a bridle. And um, it's not meant to hurt him, but just, you know, like, hey, you're pulling me too far or you're wandering off or whatever the case may be. And when we first started, like, he would not it was a fight to get the thing over his neck cuz we had to turn it over and then as time has gone on over the years like he knows okay I get that thing on it's going to be good for me because we're going to go for a walk it's going to be great I'm going to smell 100 things and we're going to have a great old time but it didn't happen overnight there was this point where he 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 made term made peace with the idea of this process I, I don't love getting it over my head but but actually, now I would say he like he's he'll stand there for. It. He's like, yeah this is good. this something something good is going to happen out of that." So it's being surrendered. That's what the bridled means. Somebody's tongue that is bridled. First peter five, six through seven says, "Therefore humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. He's got it. I could think we were, that this is like happening in worship, right? I mean, where, where this was this idea of like, you know, I can trust God. He's got my interest in mind. I can surrender to him. He's looking out for me. Sometimes the challenge is that we don't realize that, it's the poisonous, it's poisonous speech at the moment. How many of you realize that? I just gave an example of that earlier. Like, I'm like, you realize after the fact, or like, okay, did I really, this is me, like, did I really need to overact that much because I didn't, I wanted more pictures on the board. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it doesn't feel so deadly in the moment uh, that it's happening, right? But, um if it's yielded to the leadership of the Lord, He, the Holy Spirit is gonna, He's gonna highlight it. Because, like I said, the Holy Spirit would convict me, and I would ask myself, "Why did I say that?" Um, or it might have been, um, maybe it wasn't even noticeable to the other person. I'm, I'm having this conversation with the Lord. Like, I think you've all. I've had people do this to me where they were like, you know, oh, I, I, I shouldn't have said X, Y, Z, or I. They're apologizing for something that I'd even pick up on in the conversation. I have done the same thing with other people. Like, I shouldn't have said that. That was not necessary. But I love that because it's like the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit about it. So, again, it might not have even been noticeable to somebody else, but as we talk to the Lord, he would highlight something. Like, for me, you might say, hey, you're not trusting me in that area. So you had this little thing that you said that was kind of subtle, but even if they didn't even hear it, it's like I heard it because you... Um. yeah, you're not trusting me. I'm like, yep. Sorry, Lord. <laughs> Guilty, right? Like I said earlier, we've met the enemy, and it is me. Um, verses 9 through 12. We're wrapping up here. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, this should not be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water, fresh and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. The tongue can be used for the highest calling. We do it every Sunday. We are blessing our Lord But it can also be used for the lowest evil to curse men. Both are coming out of the same spigot. (laughs) And um, Peter confessed, think about it, he's like, Peter was like, you're the Messiah, you're the Lord, you're the Savior. But he also denied Jesus with curses, right? Saying, I swear, I don't know the man. Same mouth. It's incongruent. My speech has got to be consistently glorifying God. Not just when I'm worshiping him and I'm praising him, but in my conversation. I want to be consistent with my tone and my words, whether I'm at church, whether I'm at home, whether I'm at work, whether I'm at school, whether I'm private, whether I'm public, right? If it's bad fruit um, or bitter water, it's a contradiction, right? The tree is bad or the spring is bad. Look at verse 10, out of the same mouth proceed blessings and cursing. My brethren, this, this um, ought not to be so. Where does our mouth reveal inconsistencies? If we don't know, I've got a sure what fire way that you can find out. If you don't know where the inconsistencies are, just ask your kids, right? Just ask your kids or your spouse. They will help you out. Their spiritual gift might be like the lady that said to John Wesley, My spiritual gift is saying what I think. Yeah. Sarcasm is not a spirit. Yeah, there was a button in Lonnie Hammond. Somebody gave it from Wiley's My spiritual gift is sarcasm. <laughs> uh, Matthew 12, 34 through 37. Brood of vipers. How can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth good things. But I say to you that every idle word men may speak, they will give an account in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be fulfilled, and by your words you will be condemned. Hey, We be that brood of vipers. <laughs> He's talking about, us, and he's talking about transformation, the renewing of our minds. The renewed mind is revealed by what? A renewed heart, which is revealed by a renewed tongue, right? Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I'm going to take a minute to pray. I think I'm, I'm almost done. Um, Lord, we We want your transformative, redemptive work in our hearts. We want it to be expressed in our tongues. Lord, we bless you that we live in a community of brothers and sisters that have been made in your image. Lord, um, when we have to give an account for every idle word that we speak, we want a testimony that we were daily leaning on you and letting you lead us. Convict us, restore us, renew us. Heavenly Father, we just, um, would you let our tongues be vessels that spark fires of love for your coming kingdom? Would you help us to be used as rudders to steer many towards your kingdom? Would you help us to be meek and surrendered by you? Lord, would you just do a work? We want to have good fruit. We want to glorify you. And we want to bless those around us. And we want to speak what you're saying. We want to be bold and we want to be faithful and we want to be yielded. Would you make us new? In Jesus' name, amen.